0: So it was a dream gig to go work there. And it was an amazing journey. But the key that happened there is I'm coasting along and rose up the ranks and became director of marketing. And he came to me one day, Carl, and said, we've made a change on the sales side. Your, your counterpart in sales, uh, we, we had to let him go. And I'd like you to take over sales. And I had this kind of like visceral reaction,
1: like I'm not a sales guy, like sales. It's not a straight line. I'm Jordan Harding and welcome to the podcast. We're about to learn how people like you and I overcome career setbacks, pivot, reinvent themselves, and find work that aligns with their top strengths. Let's dig in together as we learn how these incredible people the best version of themselves all right so we've got Gavin Roth on the episode of it's not a straight line to introduce Gavin his resume really to me reads like a dream career to many that want to get into sport and entertainment he's uh, spent 27 years in sponsorship marketing media sports and he is a partnership architect expert Gavin, after graduating from York, joined the ad agency World with Ogilvy & Mather, BBDO Worldwide. And after five years, he then joined WWE World Wrestling Entertainment as the Senior Director of Sales and Marketing, and then went on to spend time with the Canadian Football League. Then he went on to VP of Sales for Canada's Olympic Broadcast Consortium right before the Vancouver Games then was at Rogers media as a VP of multi-platform sales. Gavin spent three years at golf Canada as the chief commercial officer. And now he's the founder and managing partner of Gavin Roth and associates. He's the creator of the influencers of sponsorship podcast. Uh, Gavin, that's one heck of a resume. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Well, I do all that. That's uh, <laughs> I, you know, if it says it on my uh, LinkedIn profile, I'll have to go back and check because I don't think I've done any of that. That's that's. I think you got the wrong one. You no, know, what an honor! Thank you. Great to be on, Jordan.
1: I, I want to get to early in your career, but before I do that, you know, how are things going for you in the pandemic, especially as a as a business owner hmm. with a revenue business and the sponsorship and entertainment? Sector, We know it's been hit very hard. How are you doing?
0: Uh, Boy, I'll tell you, I am just touch wood. You know, I was joking with you about how my my mother is superstitious. That's another one of those, you know, touch wood. uh, I don't know what touching wood really does, but I am very, very grateful that things are going as well as they are. And I think the biggest reason is because I haven't limited myself to what you said, which is the sport and entertainment. That's certainly my wheelhouse and where I've got the most credibility. But just being open and networking and staying connected and keeping strong bridges has allowed me to, and and doing, I think, an effective job at servicing the people, the clients that I have, um has just led to other opportunities and during twenty twenty, I was able to onboard uh, two new clients, and I'm grateful that my existing clients have still found it useful to to keep my counsel and my support. So it only got busier, and I'm excited about twenty twenty one yeah. Lucky because I and listen. I know I talk to a lot of people, Jordan, and and people are there are people struggling. There are people who are also doing very well, but there are people struggling. So I'm very very mindful
1: of that. Let's go back to maybe when you were late in high school or at York. What was it like early on for you, and what was kind of the potential you saw in yourself?
0: We emigrated from South Africa when I was seven, and I I, just quickly there I, I will say you know, I lost my father when I was young, I was 19, it was here, obviously. But I don't I think about it so often, there's, I, I'm a big believer in these and, and think a lot about these inflection points in one's life, right, where all of a sudden, things go in a certain direction. And oftentimes, not necessarily in your control, but just, you know, you have to roll with it, right. And, and it could be a positive or negative. You know, my folks decided when I was seven to leave South Africa and come to Canada later in life. Before he died, I asked my dad, why Toronto? You know, just tell me about that decision, because now I was uh, late teens and I was I I had perspective and uh, it was a fascinating revelation. He says we knew we wanted to leave South Africa because of the apartheid system and we didn't want you to grow up there we wanted a, a better life for for me and my two sisters older and younger sister and it came down to uh, and i find this fascinating to three cities because he he just had connections i guess in all three and they and he picked the one with the worst climate uh it was it it, it was it was melbourne it was San Diego, and it was Toronto, and I just I think often about what would I be if he went to one of the, they went to one of the others. Like I, who would I be married to? What would my kids look like? What career would I be in? Like it would have changed everything, right, in my life um, had they zigged versus zagged. So I just find that philosophically uh, mind blowing. Those those moments, right, that chart the course. Anyway, we, yeah, we came uh, here uh, and uh, I just, you know, I, I was always drawn to sports. So throughout my teens, I dreamed of being a sports broadcaster. I wanted to be, back then it was Brett Musburger. You know, I'm, I'm older, I'm of a different vintage than you. Uh, I wanted to be Jim McKay. Um, I wanted to be Dick Enberg. They were my idols. I still say, oh, my, you know, when when uh, something big happens. That was Dick Enberg. So I, I kind of was headed towards this idea of being like a, a journalist or a broadcaster. But I learned quickly. I didn't have strong enough French skills. Actually, my folks to support me sent me to Montreal to to Quebec to a French camp one summer to be immersed in, the, in it. But I just couldn't take take to it. I didn't take to it. And so I went into university and did a, um, my dad said, get, get like a, a business degree. And I said, yeah, it makes sense. So I did economics and I just didn't find it engaging enough. It was okay. I get it. But, and I just looked around and said, what is the, I I like a more creative part of business. And that's where I discovered marketing. And I pivoted at York into a marketing program. And that was a, a key change for me. And it kind of, uh, you know, I always loved the idea of writing. You know, I wanted I, I thought about being a copywriter, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's when the ad agency world kind of crept into my head. And uh, I started thinking about maybe working in that environment.
1: And so what were some of the first roles that you would have got out of, out of university? Mm-hmm. And, and some big names, some big global ad agencies mm-hmm. that you were at.
0: Well, I'll tell you another, you know, and, and this is a big theme for me is, is, um, you're not theme, but, but a term that another term that I hold, you know, I feel is important. And that is scar tissue. It's like, because I'm a sports fan, you know, I think about it in relation to, I think teams and people have to learn how to lose before they can learn how to win. And, you know, I think those setbacks in your life are, and and it's a mindset thing. If you take them and learn from them, it's going to really, I think, propel you forward. And so I I got a job uh, with you know. So my dad passed when I was nineteen. I was kind of coasting. I wasn't really that focused in university. I was more into having fun. I had an amazing, amazing girlfriend who is now my wife of twenty six years, and she she was pretty serious. And, uh, she was there and really a huge support for me after he died and my friends as well. And that for that just kicked me to the core, obviously it was, a you know, obviously a life altering experience, but, uh, with the right support around me, it was a wake up point. I said to myself, I want to make him proud. You know, I, I don't have him to lean on anymore. And I've got to get my uh, shit together. I just got serious. And I, you know, I took, took a few months off from university. They were great with me. And then came back with a vengeance and uh, completed my marketing uh, degree and honors degree. And I just had greater focus. And um, it was one of his business contacts who gave me a break and gave me a job working for his company in a, in a role way over my head. And I butchered that and got fired. It, it was another. and and here's here's what happened is uh, is I just wasn't that wasn't in love with what I was doing, and i I wanted to work in the ad agency world, and I was using his fax machine to send my resume. To. <laughs> and I came in one day, and he's holding these faxes, uh, you know, these these you know, I was so stupid, right? And, uh, you know, he, he, again, another kick in the, in the, in the butt and, uh, but it ended up working out that I ended up getting one of those jobs that I faxed a resume, faxed a resume. Yes. I'm saying that, um, too. And that was at Ogilvy and Mather. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think now I got fired from my first job and laid off from my last, um, before I started this. Right. Uh, and we'll get to that. So, yeah, I, I entered, I got an entry-level job at Ogilvy & Mather as a media assistant, an assistant media planner. For those who don't know, in an ad agency, you know, you've got the the creative, which is what I wanted to be, but didn't have the qualifications, right? A copywriter or an ad art director. You can be an account executive or you can be a media executive. And I, I got in on the media side. And I was making, I, I, we had, I had just gotten married, um, and I got this job offer at a dream agency. Like, dream, you walk in there, it's exactly like you would see on TV. And they're offering me $20,000 uh, a year. And I'm like, how on earth am I going to do it? I remember riding back home on the subway, being excited and deflated, because I got the job in the environment I wanted to be in, but like how am I gonna, you know, like I'm I just got married, where we bought a townhouse. and Stacy, who was a hygienist uh, at the time said, I got you, I got us. And she was making a great living and she was working her butt off six days a week and she carried us at the beginning. and that allowed me to just, settle in and really work my way up there.
1: Yeah, there's so many great things in your answer there because I, I one of the reasons I started this was to to show people that, you know, I read your resume from the beginning and and I know you've had an incredible career. But I think a lot of people that are coming up the ranks or in university or college, they don't realize all these scar tissues that people go through. And I think you said it well when you said you have to have those losses before you, you know, can start start winning.
0: Yeah. It's it, you know, it's on on us. Like if you don't learn from your mistakes and learn from your setbacks, that's a shame. Like that shame on you. You had nobody to blame. And I get it. There are a lot of people who just, you know, it's that lack of self-awareness. I read an article not long ago that said one of the best qualities of great leaders is self-awareness knowing what you're being, being uh, human enough and humble enough to know your flaws and know where your blind spots are and and not think you have all the answers and not feel you're infallible and to be open to learning. And I couldn't agree more. I think that applies not just to leaders, but to, to anybody.
1: Kevin, it sounds like you were, you were pretty close to your father and he passed away at, at 19. You know, him immigrating to, to Canada. Is there anything you remember or you keep in mind as you go forward in your career that he or your parents kind of taught you?
0: Well, you know, he, he one thing he did, and thankfully, I think he passed to me, is his ability to connect with people and his, his desire to help people you know we all have things we're we're good at and we have a lot of things we're not and i've got a lot of the latter uh but i would say the one thing i'm you know is comes naturally to me is that ability to connect with people and i really spend time on that in the training work i do that, because i think that to me is the most important aspect of being successful especially in a sales aspect is connecting with people my dad was amazing at just keeping strong connections, um, being sincere, being authentic, doing the little things. Just people gravitated to him, right? Like when he came, he was one of this early wave of South Africans who came. He had to come a year before we did because uh, very quickly, uh, there's more that makes me so proud of him when he was young he had a similar story to me when he was 16 not 19 he lost his dad and so it was a big moment for our family when i turned 51 last april because my dad and his dad never made it to 51 so i broke the streak and uh it's funny my my university buddies we had a reunion a zoom reunion to celebrate that because they went through his passing with me and it was they you know for many of them it was a big moment as well but yeah, he he had to drop out of school and support his family. So he never graduated high school. So it was hard for him when he emigrated here because uh, they they looked and, you know, they, it was tough then in 76. And so they they set up, they made it difficult. He had to come a year in advance to just show that he was going to become, you know, gainfully employed and contribute and all that. And we came a year later. But, uh, you know, he just he just set up um, community groups that made it easy for other South Africans to settle and acclimate. So whenever anybody came from South Africa, it was always contact Ronnie Roth. He'll help you and show you, you know, you know, uh, just help you get settled. And it was that sense of community building and and helping people and um, just being approachable and genuine. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, very lucky that some of that does come naturally.
1: That's great. And from knowing you, you definitely do have that, that ability to connect and be authentic. And thank you. What a great name too, Ronnie Roth.
0: Isn't it a great name? <laughs> it's yeah, a great yeah, name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 He got um, into the insurance racket. Everybody thought I would, he had to re- redefine himself. Everybody thought I would follow he started a company called KRG insurance uh, he was the r in that and um i never had any interest in insurance i liked the marketing side so i never followed that uh so
1: interesting yeah gavin when you look at your career how do you describe it like like can you speak about when you had the opportunity to go to WWE And then I want to get into, you know, you went from more of a traditional property where you might be selling things on site and there's obviously media to then the media consortium where it was, you know, you were focused on the 2010 Vancouver Olympic games. How did you make the move to WWE from agency? And then we'll get into, uh, getting into the media consortium.
0: Yeah. Um, that's no, it's a great question, and there's definitely a key moment, another inflection point there. So, no, at the in the ad agency world, I just knew at Ogilvy that I didn't want to become a lifer on the media side. I loved what I did there. I loved what I learned. It was an amazing training ground. Um, I learned a very valuable lesson there that I that I tell tell people a lot today. Uh, I'll just uh, speak to that for a second. First is. Uh, it's it's my own version of what I call a 90-10 rule because I had aspirations like many people. I step into this big ad, ad agency world, hundreds and hundreds of employees, and I think, how the heck am I going to stand out? And what I quickly learned is that there's probably 90% of the people in any, and this is held true at every place I've been, are what I would call clock punchers right? They just come and they, they, it's a job, it's not a career. And there's about 10% that really are there to make a difference. And that's where I realized that that's who I'm competing against. And it's not, not competing, but you know what I mean? Like just in terms of advancement. So it's, it's easier than you think to get ahead. If you just work hard and you show initiative and you have a great attitude, those three things work hard, show initiative, bring a great attitude. It's amazing how you will be, how easy it is to stand out. Uh, But I just realized that I didn't want to be, so I was rising through the ranks there on the media side, but I wanted to diversify. And I just got an opportunity to go to BBDO, to a division of BBDO um, as an account guy. And that was great. It was a great pivot, um, different kind of role, now I was managing the relationship with the client. I was involved in the strategy. Uh, I was coming back to the agency and working with creative and media to put the plans together, being the the lead. I like that role. It suited me better. You know, just owning that relationship, um, working with them on insights. Um, I, those are like the the account roles. For those who don't know, you're kind of a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Right? You just got to be really good at putting everything together. And I got a call from a recruiter while I was at BBDO. Uh, gener it, it was Generator Idea Works, which was the promotional marketing agency owned by BBDO. And it was a recruiter named Rick Chad, uh, who many of my, you know, peers know very well and he said there was a role at wwe and i was like how why me how'd you get my name and somebody had given him my name to this day i don't know who and i went for an interview with carl demarco the president of wwe and this was in 99 and carl uh in 2020 hired me to uh to work on one of his projects he's a new he's he's uh, one of my new clients, an adventure that he put together. So it shows you 99, you know, wow. 21 years later, you know, to still, but so Carl ended up hiring me as uh, manager of promotions. That was the job. It was manager of promotions and it was a dream job. Like I grew up a fan. I was at WrestleMania at at, the ex- at exhibition place where Macho Man, Randy Savage, and The Ultimate Warrior uh, squared off in the title match. And I was a fan. I had stopped following it because my kids were now three and one. And, or no, sorry, just born and one and a half, just born and one and a half. And yeah, I was more into Teletubbies and big comfy couch. But I knew the power of that. So it was a dream gig to go work there. And it was an amazing journey. But the key that happened there is I'm coasting along and rose up the ranks and became director of marketing. And he came to me one day, Carl, and said, we've made a change on the sales side. Your, your counterpart in sales, uh, we, we had to let him go. And I'd like you to take over sales. And I had this kind of like visceral reaction, like, I'm not a sales guy, like sales, you know, it's that negative impression of sellers. And he says, with all due respect, you know, you've been creating the marketing programs, the sponsorships, the the the, the promotions, and you've been uh, helping the sales guys sell that to clients, like Nintendo and uh, Sony PlayStation and future shop and Blockbuster video mm-hmm. at the time. And I said, yeah, okay. So I said, let me think about it. And I went and talked to my wife. And and it's just another lesson that if you're okay putting yourself in an uncomfortable position, that could be a good thing. And uh, so I went back to him and I said, I'll do it, but I don't want to lose the marketing. Because I viewed myself as a marketer first and foremost. And I think that's what allowed me to be successful at, at sales, uh, or has, because I bring a marketing mindset. I appreciate the other side of the table's perspective, and try and come aware, of, uh, come to the table being aware of that perspective. So yeah, he's, he I was head of sales and marketing there, um, and it was amazing, uh, but there were challenges certainly with 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 that transition
1: is there is there one uh, a challenge that you can think of because oh. i uh, what you just said a lot of people have a visceral reaction sometimes to sales?
0: yeah, I'll tell you um what I think about most when I say a challenge was i um it was more internal uh, at the beginning because and not internal in terms of myself but in the company because what happened is I was a colleague and support system. A trusted advisor to uh, four salespeople. And they now their boss was gone. And instead of Carl giving it to them, one of them, he gave it to me. And I had to now parachute from being, you know, a colleague to their leader. And there were a couple who um, I understand, I would have felt the same way, you know, why, why him and not me and and it was this thing of this uh, this dynamic of um, okay you got to prove yourself you know because these guys have been selling longer than uh, one of them in particular longer than I'd been alive uh, but he was on the back nine and he knew it but he was just unhappy that he didn't get it so I had to show them that I I had their backs that I could get some wins internally on on things like comp structure. That you know, I would be able to to help them uh, generate revenue, put money in their pockets, right? Uh, that ultimately was the best way. And just through day to day, change is hard for anybody, right? And just them seeing my style, my operating style. That I wasn't going to come in and tell them how to do their jobs. And uh, once we got through those first few months things settled in well we had success we grew revenue year over year and and I'd like to think you know they they uh, I earned their respect uh, and and in a couple of cases I was told that specifically and that was very rewarding to hear extremely rewarding to hear. So it was overcoming that and proving to myself and proving to them and to Carl that I had the chops to do the job. So, and then from that point, you know, my career has uh, has mostly been a revenue generation career, and it was because a guy saw something in me and gave me a chance to expand my horizons, um, and I'm extremely grateful uh, for that.
1: So when you when you then you you were at the CFL, very important property in Canada. I'm a big CFL fan myself.
0: A lot of people wondered how do you go from WWE to CFL? Because they, you know, they saw this massive global brand and and through a Toronto lens, some people didn't view the CFL the way, you know, the rest of Canada does, right?
1: So I guess, I guess you did the opposite of the rock, didn't you? <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, wasn't yeah. he with the Eskimos and then WWE? Yeah. That's right. You know? Well, yes. (laughs) Next thing you're going to have, your YouTube show is going to take off like The Rock on.
0: Well, I I agree. Um, (laughs) The Rock and The Roth, uh, we have very, you know, we have very similar. I like to
1: think he models himself after me. So, (laughs) yeah, carry on, carry on. Uh, So, revenue generation. Did you have to, like, tap into a lot of those transferable skills to prove to someone you know, you could go from the CFL to the broadcast consortium or were you in doing enough in in media with WWE and CFL that that kind of was a natural next step?
0: Yeah. And that comes back to that early comment about relationships and connecting with people. So, you know, it's just leaving, I guess, an impression when you do have an interaction with somebody. And there was a gentleman that I met when I was at WWE that kind of stayed in my circle. uh, Albeit he wasn't, he was, you know, playing at a higher, much higher level than I was. uh, And that's Keith Pelley. And when I was at WWE, our flagship show, uh, Raw was on TSN and the president TSN at the time was Keith Pelley. And so I didn't deal with Keith a lot as, you know, director of sales and marketing and he's the president, but I dealt with him enough and his people, Stu Johnston, you know, was uh, who's, who's uh, now, you know, uh, one of the, the top uh, folks at uh, Bell Media, you know, so he was VP programming at that time, right at TSN. So I got to know those guys. And, and when I went to, the CFL and, and, and quickly for those who don't, who would think, you know, there was something to me that was special about working for a property that was born and raised in Canada, you know, versus being, you know, a Canadian arm of an international or U S based giant Right. You know, I got to the point there where it just felt like it was time for a change. And you, You know, the CFL was, uh, there was, I tell this story sometimes, and so I'll just repeat it quickly, you know, good friend of mine, and a lot of people now know him, uh, built out a great career. He's at MLSC, Jordan Vader. Jordan was an intern for me at WWE. And just, uh, I took him under my wing. I say that very humbly, Um, but I knew he had a great future and I joke with him, I'm doing this for me, not for you he got a job at uh, the CFL and he called me one day at, and I was at WWE to say that they're looking for uh, Sam Gallant had left and they're looking for somebody to come in and head up partnerships and work with Dana Gladstone, who was, uh, you know, leading uh, partnerships there and focused, I'd say a little bit more on the kind of, uh, client client management side of things but they wanted somebody who could do a little bit of uh, hunting as well and uh, be her partner in crime and I just thought it was right and I took 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 it so you just never know where these things are going to come from it was from a guy who you know started working as an intern for me and uh, I became his boss there at at uh, the CFL and work with amazing people like him and Natalie Agro and Dana and Tom Wright, and Brent Scrimshaw, you know, just the best. But who's who's in my space still there? Keith Pelley. Because Keith left TSN to become president of the Argos. And in my role at the CFL, um, leading, you know, uh, business development and partnerships, um, Keith was also head of the league-wide marketing communications committee that we would present our plans to. And so I got closer to Keith there. And one day at the CFL, I heard this amazing story of this consortium that was formed that got the rights to the 2010 and 2012 games and who has been tapped to be the president of the consortium. And that's Keith. And for the first time to that point in my career, I pursued a job right in my you know kind of advanced point in my career forgetting the beginning part and called him and said i i am an olympic nut i've watched every game since i can remember and uh, i would love to come over i don't care what i do obviously it'd be great to be you know in revenue and uh we made it happen and while while that was going on we had a change in leadership at the cfl that's when uh mark cohan took over for tom and I took great pride in the fact that when Mark came in, he made changes in every key position except mine. You know, he, he uh, saw enough to, to leave me in the role and I got to work with amazing people there. Mark's incredible. Mike Copeland. Rob Asimakopoulos was brought in by uh, Mark. Um, Chris McCracken was brought in. Uh, digital... You know, just, just, you know, I work with great people, Jamie Dykstra, Kevin McDonald, um, you know, so just being around good people, right, and, and silly story, I just find it humorous, because I've got a warped sense of humor, but I sat, my, my office was between Rob and Chris and uh, Rob's last name is Asmakopoulos, and Chris is Chris McCracken, and their nicknames are Ass and Crack. <laughs> so I said, I found myself in the unenviable position of being between an ass and a crack, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, in, in no.
1: went on to do some, some incredible things. I, I don't know where he is now, but I know he was had CIBC for a while I think and
0: I think he's still there. Yeah, uh, yeah he went to General Motors and yeah. CIBC and uh, as the chief marketing officer, he's uh, he's a special guy. He's uh he's just one of the better minds that I've ever been around. He's just he's so so sharp.
1: So I wanted to get to you know we could speak at length. Uh you know, I'm so interested in in you know, the games and some of your highlights around that. But I, I did want to get to, you know, you're at Golf Canada and then you created Gavin mm-hmm. Roth and Associates. And speaking mm-hmm. about it's not a straight line, what was the impetus, impetus to start your mm. own business? And were, have you always been somebody that you thought might want to run their great, own business? Great question.
0: I, I, I was encouraged and it was as though as that resume started filling in right and those roles and I had a lot of people play that back to me oh you should you know should do it for yourself one day you've got great great resume and you ever thought about going out on your own now I always had a great gig you know I didn't I didn't need to um take that risk always getting a good bi-weekly paycheck working for great companies you know Roger's you know, uh, amazing perks The you know, Keith, Keith, when he, he got, he was appointed after the games, the head of the president of Rogers media, he tapped me to come in and fill a brand new role that they created, uh, to lead integrated multi-platform sales, amazing gig, but that was just selling a lot of media. And it wasn't a, a, a huge, like I, I, it was great, great people, comfortable job, lots of perks paid well. But when a recruiter called me and said, Golf Canada's looking for a, you know, um, I had to jump. And, you know, the golf business just was not accelerating. It was at um, the point it needed to. The revenue, we grew the revenue, but we didn't grow it enough. And uh, they had to make cuts. And so I was part of a group of cuts, the CEO, me, you know, a lot of big salaries. And, uh, but I'm very proud of what, what I did there and I get it, but I, I I had negotiated a, a healthy severance. So I had a lot of runway to figure out what next, but it's not my style to just sit back. Um, and it was drawing back on this idea that I'd always had in my head about doing my own thing. And so I had a choice to make now, do I go back and look for corporate world and just go in as, again, another high salary that's going to be, you know, exposed in a in a economy that's not great. Or do I now take that chance and, and I've got a little bit of runway where I'm still getting paid. And so I, I just it, the key thing for me was to commit. And I had a few very important conversations with people that I, I trusted uh, and, and sought counsel uh, people like Chris Lang, uh, Dave Hopkinson, who had, I wouldn't call one of my closest connections and friends, but we know knew each other enough that we had a, a really good chat and took a lot of counsel and a lot of great feedback and and encouragement from him. Uh, amazing conversation with Mary Dapali, you know, who I just gotten to know at Rogers and uh, felt she could offer a good perspective, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to commit. And that's the big thing I've told people who have turned to me since and said, how it seems like you got something going. What is the key? And I said, don't have one foot in and one foot out. If you're going to do it and be successful, you've got to commit and give yourself ample runway, give yourself at least a year, you know, ideally more. And, and I was able in that year To uh, to take on to find luckily some people who saw enough to spend on my services to help bring revenue, help grow revenue. And that just created a foundation that I've been able to fortunately build upon.
1: It's a good it's a good point. What about the podcast you've created on the side? Because, you know, I've been joking. We joked a bit about fax and blockbuster, which we'll just define for the gen Zs out there. But you had to go to to, a store and and
0: buy a a
1: DVD. What's that like? Um, That was fun, actually. It was fun. And you got to, I remember renting video games and all of these different things. Yeah. Two, two things that, that you've done that I think are pretty, you know, innovative, you're keeping up, you, you launched podcasts, the influencers of sponsorship, influencers everyone in
0: sponsorship marketing, I haven't done a good enough job branding the thing. My goodness.
1: No, you have. I just, uh, maybe I just didn't pay attention. No. Um, <laughs> but no, you've had some, some, I was listening and you've had some incredible people and guests and everyone in sponsorship marketing should listen to the podcast. I know it's on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and, and can you find it on Spotify, Spotify as well?
0: Yeah.
1: Spotify as well. Uh, you have actually had people throughout my career. Sam Gallat early on. I, I worked with Sam, Andrea Shaw, Bart Givens, Steve Steve Merker, uh, uh, even Kerry Kaplan. I, I spent time at Cosmo's early, early in my career. Uh, what? So, so the podcast, as well as you've jumped into the esports arena. Uh, let's start with the podcast. What? What? Sure. What made you? What was yeah. the moment there when you're like, let's do this? Great
0: question and very important for me that that I, you know, what I knew is I got to a point where I said if, if, if I want people to know um, what I'm doing, but do I got to do I, LinkedIn is my main channel, but I can't just throw garbage out there and, you know, kind of um, hollow content, um, you know, I should do something meaningful give some, some value to my network, uh, which I've been very proud of building and it's a great channel and platform for me. Um, and I was never a big podcast person. I, I just I said, so I, you know, I said to people, when do you listen to podcasts? And they said, um, in the car or at the gym. And they said, what do you listen to at the gym? I said, um, music on Spotify Well, they said, well, search, forget who told me, but it's got an amazing array of podcasts. So, I'm at the gym one day. I know it doesn't look like it, but, and this again was in the days where people went to a gym. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, not where, you know, you worked at at home. And um, I listened to, um, I found an episode of Oprah's Sunday Soul. So rip me apart, all of everybody for listening to, but uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm a very soft hearted and uh, that stuff resonates with me. And she had a guest, Brian uh, Grazer, who's a prolific producer. And he talked about a book that he just wrote uh, called uh, A Curious Mind. And for those who, who may not know, he, he, he directed, he produced the movie A Beautiful Mind uh, with Russell Crowe. And he just talked about how curiosity was the quality that has propelled him to success. And it was a big theme of what I was t- teaching in my training work. And it, something just, a light went off, and I said, if I sit with people, I have a great network, fortunately, if I can have those guests on, and I'm a curious person, you're a curious person, Jordan, and uh, you wouldn't be doing this otherwise. And just talk about their stories and, and try and get their insights into. And so I started researching, is there much out there on sponsorship marketing, especially from a Canadian perspective? And you pointed out to me, not really. And I found that there were a few And so it all came together, I said, but the the key thing was just being brave and getting out of your head and saying, coming to terms with, I don't give a crap if only five people find it interesting. It's going to give me an excuse to sit with great people and put out what I believe would be valuable content on a regular basis. And what a nice side effect that it will just help people remember and think about what I'm doing. And it has led to, I can't tell you how many amazing opportunities. Uh, so I'm so proud of, of that. And, and uh, as I, I said to you before, I'm extremely insecure about the quality of my podcast, but I, I firmly believe in the content. I think the guests and the content is great. One day I'll figure out uh, the time and, and the, the resources to to make it sound as good as yours, but I love it. It's been a great, great piece of, uh, of content and thought leadership for me.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I've got to give some credit where credit's due to Gavin when, when he had launched his podcast and I was thinking about hosting one for a while and you gave me the advice. You just said, start and see what comes of it. And you know, especially with podcasts, it is about the content and the guests. And sometimes, if things are too overly produced, people don't like that as much. Uh, it, it's so interesting to see some of the videos that now come out from these social media influencers or business influencers that aren't completely polished, but they they just attract because they're authentic and they're great content. yep, awesome. Gavin, what, where can people find you? Where can people find the podcast? And with your business, what's the impact you're looking to make, whether it's life, business, career in 2021?
0: Well, just, you know, do continue to do a great job for the, the people who have trusted in me and, and support me and, you know, compensating me for my services. That's what you know, every day I'm asking myself, you know, what, what can I be doing? Am I doing enough and just continuing to add value? That's where it starts. Uh, so yeah, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to continue to focus on and I'm excited about, uh, new clients. I'm working now with Porsche Canada on an exciting EV project, uh, setting up a national EV infrastructure program for them. It's gotten off to a great start working with a healthcare company that needed some, some sales structure and leadership going to continue doing my training work. I'm working with some amazing tier one properties and training their executives. Um, and yeah, keep the podcast going. Uh, so it's all bottled together on my website at rothrevenue.com. and the influencers of sponsorship marketing will continue to come out pretty much once a month. My next guest is a blockbuster and, uh, um, you know, so I expect there'll be a lot of excitement around that. Um, we did the interview a few weeks ago, I'll be putting it out in a couple weeks. So I'll just leave it at that and uh, stay tuned. And that's available, as we say, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, and, and my website. So uh, that's where it can be found. So no, this is it's been fun you know it's it's uh, I don't get to do this very often I'm often on the other side like you uh, talking so it's been it's been uh, fun recounting some of these stories I appreciate you giving me a chance
1: yeah well thanks for flipping the flipping the script today being on the other side and, and thanks for doing this Gavin I really appreciate it anytime okay take care take care there you have it thanks for checking out it's not a straight line If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and if you can, leave me a review, provide me some feedback, and I wish you all the best as you find your way in your career and life.